Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see your faces. Uh, I'm excited for today. Wow, that was that was great worship. Thank you, uh, team. Uh, it's just so good to be in God's presence, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'll take that as a like a thoughtful hmm. Like, like I'm at some retro vibes here. Said something real deep in me. I felt, mm. I felt that. I felt that. But uh, this morning, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's okay to be excited in God's presence. Uh, and, uh, and this morning, I just wanted to, I'm not really going too, too far or, or in any other like new topic. I just actually just want to reiterate and take a second to, to challenge whether or not um, we're walking out what we're, what we're talking about. Uh, we, we've had an incredible season, I think, in ministry and in, in some of the things that have been shared by some men and women of God within our leadership here. And uh, it's been great. And I just want to really, like, we're talking like when Jess talked about walking in the opposite spirit, when Isaiah talked and the worship teams, like uh, just when he talked about praise, that hit me hard. Like, God created me for praise, and that's my purpose. And uh, if, if he said it, then the, obviously there's a reason for, for praise. And, uh, and then Mike, even just last week, just really nailing down forgiveness and just how we cut. And if you haven't seen any of these, and if you're online and you can hit pause on this, you can go into what they call what now, the, the metaverse? I don't know. It's where the mech, mech, mech of universe, whatever that is. The internet is what I used to call it. And, uh, and so you can go on there and you can catch up on one of those messages and then hop back to this one. Because honestly, uh, my heart today is that they, is something I really care about is, is having skin in the game is actually like having an action step to what, what you're hearing or talking about. And I want to read and start in James and Dalton. I, didn't, I, I know as many scriptures as I gave you. Uh, I wanted to start at the end of James, uh, James chapter 5, because uh, there's this, this guy named Elijah that I'm going to be talking about today who I love his perspective and the way he lived because he heard from God and he went and did it. And uh, I know that it's real easy to read like three, four chapters of Elijah between uh, when he first hears from God, when he talks to the kings, when he ignites an altar on fire from the Lord and then, and then prays for rain. And you can read that really fast, probably in, in, in one sitting. But the, the reality is that it, he had to do a lot of things in that space And in James chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Elijah was a human being. Let's just stop there. Sometimes when we see uh, men and women of God and the things that they're saying, we're like, yeah, wow, good for them. They get it. No, he was human. And so are you, which means that it's totally possible for you to walk out the things of God that God is calling you to. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. I just want to pray before we start this morning. 
Father, I thank you that there's something so impactful about prayer. And we just want to take a second to do that, to pray that you would shift things in our hearts, transform our thoughts, and make them submissive to the truth of who Jesus Christ was and is and is going to be in my life. God, would you, would you speak to us deeply, Holy Spirit? We just invite you in this space to come and do what only you can do. May, may every piece that is from this message that is important for the people that are here and for those online, would it just begin and plant a seed that starts to grow? Amen. So James starts talking about Elijah, and this is at the end of an entire book in the Bible in the New Testament. James, uh, if you didn't know, was actually Jesus' brother. And so it's kind of unique that a lot of the things that he says, uh, he'll allude to things that Jesus um, spoke on or did, and, uh, but he'd say it in his own words because he lived so closely with them that he's like, man, I get it. Let me tell you my way. And uh, he starts off by talking about one, what I think is really important, and he says this, faith without action is dead. This is James two seventeen. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Oh, you need that. I asked, I, I, that's great. I knew it was going to happen. I asked him, it didn't have the little fluffy thing on the end. Because I was like, my S's and my P's. Everyone's going to hear my lisp. And it's going to pop online. And right now they're probably having a real tough time hearing me. <laughs> but there, we, we're good. Is it, is it, it's on there? You, you good, Sid? Awesome. So James talks about how faith without deeds is dead. And uh, in verse 19, as he like continuously reiterates that if there's no action with this faith that we believe in, it's not really useful so much that he goes and he says, my dear brothers and sisters, in verse 19 of chapter one, he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and become, and slow to become angry if that's not just the most valuable thing that you take from today, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We talked about this with our youth over the last season, talking about being radical. We brought back all the retro vibes of the 1990s to teach these students what a VHS player was and to teach them what, what all these old school things that we had were so good. And uh, we also wanted to teach them the radical life of Jesus because in the 1990s, rad was that word we used, right? Oh, that's so rad, I think. I mean, it's still reasonably relevant. But, but he, he said to be quick to listen and slow to speak and become slow to angry. And then he goes on to say, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. James was addressing something that's like so key to me that I needed to learn and it was this. It was it's an identity issue. Because if I literally walk away from the mirror and forget who I am, then I'm missing something. I'm not listening to the person who created me and what he says about me. And uh, there's a character in the Bible that expresses and shows this really clearly. And I loved, loved him and I spoke on this uh, with the youth. And I just wanted to like, bring it to, to the churches because there's a guy named Moses in the Old Testament. He was a guy that, that God considered a friend. And uh, in Exodus, we see the story of a, a boy who was saved in a time where he was to be killed, only to become a leader. And uh, he was moved into a palace, into a people group that he didn't even associate with. So much that he was like, listen, I don't want to be called an Egyptian. Like, the Israelites are my people. And in Exodus, we see him, at one point, he goes out to be with his people, and he sees this fight going down, this straight-up UFC battle in the back corner by the pyramids. And, uh, and then he's like, this isn't right, because the slave master was beating a Hebrew, his people. And he looked this way and that, and it says that seeing no one, he killed an Egyptian. Moses was a murderer. But Moses was the very person that we eventually see come to save a group of people. And, uh, but in the moment when he hears his calling from God, when God speaks to him about who he is, when he's face-to-face with an understanding of, I know that I'm a leader, and I know that maybe God set me apart because, I mean, his mom probably would have raised him and talked to him about these things, we see Moses have an experience with a man from his crew that should have known, hey, this guy was special. And it says in verse 14 of Exodus 2, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over you, us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Immediately, Moses' mistake came to the front of the conversation with people that he genuinely cared about, the mistakes that he's made. I hate, I hate it when my mistakes come to the front. I mean, most of you don't know this about me, but I, I, I have a terrible time staying awake while driving. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't crashed more than once because of lack of sleep. But uh, my mom, literally every time, every time, and I'm, I'm not a boy anymore. I'm not in her house She's like, are you rested up? Are you you sure that you're going to be able to function? I know she's watching this right now. So she's like, yeah, I do say that. And uh, even if you want, mom, please put it in the comments so that everyone believes me. But basically, my mistake comes to the front. And I have to address it. And I have to go, I'm not that anymore. But Moses was, it says this next, then Moses was afraid. Sometimes our fear stops us from walking in the calling that God has placed on our lives. And if I was to look around this room and see everyone, and, and to really 
ask, how are you doing? I know that God's placed a calling on your life to do something specific in this world to bring the purposes of God in front of people. And I wonder if fear, or maybe you're stuck looking in the mirror of your mistakes rather than seeing yourself for the way that God has created you and the way that he's purposed you. And so Moses walked with that. Not only did he walk with the, his fears of mistakes, when he leaves and runs off, he ends up on a mountainside and God's presence shows up. And it's in the form of a burning bush. And uh, if you didn't know, Moses has this interaction with God. And God begins to reiterate and speak to him and remind him that I, he has a purpose for him, that he, he wants to call him to set people free. And Moses responds to, to God, and he says, pardon your servant, Lord, in Exodus 4, verse 10. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken. I am slow to speech and tongue. He literally says, yeah, I know in the past, and even in this moment when I'm talking to you, I'm not really clear with my words, but yet he was pretty clear to God about what he was missing. And sometimes we look through the mirror of what we're missing. And so the mirror of our mistakes and the mirror of what we're missing sometimes stop us and we end up, like James says, where we hear what God has to say and we don't do it. And we forget about who we are because we're believing what we see more than what we hear from God. And uh, I want to talk about a guy named Elijah today because Elijah steps out in faith in a moment where he doesn't see. He doesn't see everything. And that's kind of what I really believe faith and the nature of faith is. The nature of faith is that like putting you in an impossible situation where you can't see how God is going to show up. And uh, Elijah is like this. And we see in 1 Kings, if you want to travel there with me, it's in the Old Testament. Elijah has just heard from God in a season of drought. Like James had said, he had prayed for no rain. He had heard from God and he had prayed. He said, no rain, no dew on this land until the Lord says so. Three and a half years of drought. Three and a half years of frustration and confusion. Elijah even goes to visit this woman um, in this town because the creek had dried up. And there was no water and the birds stopped bringing food to him. And if Elijah had just been like, God, I don't get it. You told me to come here. The birds aren't coming. The water's stopped. Make the water start coming. Please make the birds stop coming. Rather than slowing to go, okay, God, what is your purpose for me right now? Because maybe some of you are in a season of nothing where things are starting to dry up or you've been waiting or, or maybe you've been waiting for a job change or maybe you're thinking about what you're doing or maybe your relationship with your friends have dried up and you're going, but these are the friends that have encouraged me. These are the people that have fed into my life for so long. And God's going, I need you to get up. I need you to go because I have a purpose for you and I need you to go. And he goes and he visits this woman who has like nothing. And God asks, and it's this whole scenario. 
And God ends up providing for her oil and flour. And Elijah says, the oil and flour will not run out until the Lord sends rain. I'd be a little concerned, but I'd also be really excited. There's such a tension that rests in that statement. Hey, God is saying this, that no oil, no flour will run out until rain. Three and a half years, I know there's been nothing, but it's coming. I promise you. And it's tough to see that something's coming when you don't see any change. And Elijah has this moment where God speaks to him and he says, in verse 18, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. What I find unique about this scripture is that God calls him to go do something. And then he says, I will send rain. Sometimes our faith has to have feet to it. And so when he called him, hey, go to Ahab. He had been hiding. They couldn't find him. He was causing trouble. The kings wanted, king and queen wanted to kill him. And then God's like, hey, listen, you gotta go. I need you to go to King Ahab. And he steps out and he goes. Just by going and presenting himself to Ahab, if you read the story, that didn't cause the rain to fall. It started something where he would have to begin to walk in deeper levels of faith. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've been walking out your faith and maybe it's just been a basic faith where God's calling you to step out. And sure, God's called you to step into someone's life and say, hey, I just wanna encourage you. God's been giving me hope through this crazy season that I know that there's been sickness in your house, but I believe that God is going to bring healing to, to your family member's body. And you as a person, you're, you're stepping out because God said, just go and stand with that person. And I'm going, to, I'm going to heal them. Or just go and hang out with that family because that couple needs just people around them to recognize that they're not as unhealthy in their marriage as the, their thoughts are. Because sometimes the enemy just gets one crack in. And so Elijah's told to go and present himself. And he goes, and this whole scenario happens where he's like, come on, bring all the prophets of Baal up on, on, on this mountaintop. We're gonna have a duke out. Your God, you can, you can pray to him that he'll burn up this offering and I'm gonna pray to my God. And, uh, and so they build these altars and God shows up in an incredible way. And in a, and, and the nature of faith, when I said that it's, it's that he puts it in an impossible situation, they're in a drought. And Elijah goes and does what God asks him to, to do. He sets up 12 stones, each for one of the tribes. And then all of a sudden he goes, hey, I need someone to go get me some water. I need to dig a trough around this. I need someone to go get me some water. That's kind of a big deal. Water is what was barely sustaining them because they were in drought. And he goes, I need water. And it wasn't a small amount of water. It was water that would require them to trust that God would provide beyond what they were giving. Because Mount Carmel, the nearest source of water was a long ways off and it, it's, it's drought. So like for them to go, it didn't make sense. And I know that sometimes we go like, okay, these people, they probably went a long distance. No, I think these servants actually went around like, I need water. We need to fill these. We're going to pour this out. Because they were trusting in faith that what they didn't see would happen, that God would show up and show himself real. And he does. 
And then he has this moment after all of this where he goes to the king and he says this, go eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab goes off to eat and drink and Elijah goes and he climbs, it says he climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Now I'm not about to just demonstrate this because um, I am not the most flexible individual, but Elijah got down and then he had a servant. Dalen, man, this is where I, I told you I would need you. And he got his buddy and he says this, go look towards the seed. You see that, you see that stool over there? Sweet. I want you to go climb that. I just want you to climb on that. I want you to look. And so Elijah is tucked. And he goes, and he gets him to climb up on it. Yeah, yeah, don't die. He gets him to climb up on it. Elijah stays. And then he comes back down. And he says, and they have this conversation. They have a dialogue. Yeah, you can have a dialogue with me. And this is what the servant said. He said, there's nothing there. Nice, nice. That was your cue, man. Only line I had for him. <laughs> but, but in the process, he says there's nothing there. Elijah could have been like, oh, no. And Elijah's servant's like, do you want me to go talk to the king? Like, stop eating, king. <laughs> nothing to celebrate. There's no rain. No, instead he says, go back. Go back, yeah. And he sends him up. Was he wrong when he said there's nothing there? Yeah, climb up, 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 come on. Yep. The servant did what Elijah asked. Yeah. There's nothing there. Okay, come on back down. Yeah. Was he wrong? Was the servant wrong when he said there was nothing there? No. But there's something in Elijah, and I've, I've clung to this truth, is that faith overrides facts. And Elijah had an understanding. And, and was there anything there? No, okay, go back, yeah. Seven times Elijah said, go back. We're at three. No, I'm just kidding. And then he came back down. Now, if I had decided to go off stage and make you climb a little bit, it'd get exhausting. But seven times he said, go back. And he kept on saying that nothing's there. Because the reality is that sometimes we go to do something. And, someone, and God calls someone to go share with their friend the love of Jesus. Or over this last season, Jess said something like walking in the opposite spirit. Hey, I know that maybe that coworker and you see stuff happening in this space, but you need to walk in the opposite spirit. And you go and you walk in the opposite spirit and you feel like there's nothing there. And you're stuck on nothing. Or you're like, I'm in the worst circumstances. And people are frustrating and they're not being there for me. And my friends just aren't coming alongside me like I, I thought they would in the circumstances that were happening. And God says, go back. Do it again. Do it again. Because faith believes in the hopes for what we cannot see and is certain of what. I got to read it properly for you. Hebrews 12. No, 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, Dalen, he loves to play guitar. What you don't know is that I got to sit with him 
at YQ, and this is, a, this is not what I planned, but I want to say it because there was a guy who spoke over him. He said, hey, you're going to write songs. And uh, it's tough. When you write a song, you don't see a lot happening. Songs are tough. There are things that stir in your heart that you want to write out that you can't find the right words for. And there are seasons where you're going to go like, okay, I think I'm just done with writing something. I'm just going to sing everyone else's song. I just want to encourage you, don't stop. Keep going back. Keep going back. Because as you go, there's nothing there. God's going to begin to do things. And so I just want to encourage you, not plan, but grab a seat, man, just because I had the opportunity. Bless you. But why don't we just pray for him? Because I have an opportunity to. Jesus, we thank you for Dalen. But we thank you that in this house tonight, today, this morning, that what you're doing is that you're beginning to catalyze a faith in the things that aren't yet seen yet. Potential purpose, passions, drive, not only in Dalen. God, may this prayer be an example of what can happen in every life in this space today. God, would you use him incredibly to write songs that bring praise and honor to your name. Amen. Hey, you're welcome. Not planned. Um, and so there's these cycles. And you know what's unique? He gets him up there and he comes back down and he says, there's nothing there. Nothing there. Before you can see rainfall, there has to be a rising from the sea. It's a cycle. Like we learn about this in science. You know what I mean? The heat hits the water. The water evaporates. Everybody remembers that diagram where it's got the water, the little heat waves, the air that shows the water goes over the land, the land, water hits the land, and then it goes back into the ocean. There's a rain cycle. And although he started the process, he was stuck in the beginning with nothing. And James understood something that Elijah literally was living out in the action of his faith. Because he said, consider it pure joy in James 1 when facing trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously without finding fault. Know what that tells me? God's a generous God. But sometimes there's this cycle. Romans 5 talks about a hope cycle where it talks about persevering so that we might have hope. And James talks about a joy that can come, but it starts with trials. It starts with, I'm seeing nothing happen. Do you know what this church Whatever you start something, it always feels like nothing. You know that this church started with? Do you know what it started with? Nothing. Do you know what the disciples brought to the feeding of 5,000? Nothing. Do you know what Elijah brought to Ahab? Nothing. He just, he just came. He showed up. Because God called him to. But what do you do when what you see is in direct contradiction of what you feel? You know, what I thought was unique about why Elijah didn't move. Elijah sat with his head 
tucked. And maybe it was because he needed, because he knew that if he saw with his eyes, that his faith would fail. We see this in the New Testament with Jesus. When the disciples are in the middle of a storm and Jesus is like, comes out walking on the water, crazy, to the disciples. And one of the disciples says, if it's really you, just call me out. No matter what I see, if what I hear is you, I'm going to do it. And he steps out in faith. And it begins, and it says that he saw the wind and the waves. And he began to sink. Faith starts with what you're hearing from God. Because sometimes you can't see it. One lap around Jericho, nothing, do it again, go back. Two laps around Jericho, still nothing, go again. Could you imagine day after day walking around Jericho, and I know that in faith seeing a giant wall fall, but I, I feel like there are people in this space that need to hear it, that there are some walls in your life that God is going I know that you did one lap of forgiving your, your family member for what they said to you at, at Thanksgiving, but I need you to do another lap. I need you just to release more. I need you to trust me more. One dip in the Jordan River, now seven dips. Do it again, again. A man had leprosy on his skin, but in faith he trusted. In faith he trusted that what God was saying through the prophet Elijah would happen, that he'd be healed of his sickness and disease. I've come up for prayer. Nothing changed. Come again. The joy for me in praying is that it's not responsible up to me. The answer is up to God. So if nothing happens, I can pray again. If nothing happens, we can pray again. If nothing happens, we can ask God again for direction. And I will remain confident, the Bible says, that he who began a good work will complete it. The other day I was reading um, about David's mighty men. I don't know if you know it. It's in 2 Samuel 23. If you, if you don't know where that is in the Old Testament, it's this group of people that followed David. And they were crazy. Like, I mean, crazy Bold. There's this one guy named Abishai, and I know that, like, for me over this weekend, because all the cool Disney Plus stuff was coming out, and Shang-Chi, or whatever that movie is, came out immediately. I was like, Abishai. I didn't watch the movie, but just the name made me go like, that dude took on 300 men with a spear, killed them all. That's nuts. Like, if I even decided to come down here and be like, okay, all of you guys are going to attack me, and I'm going to try and get out of the building. Not happening. <laughs> Not happening. These men were bold. There's another guy that I wanted to talk about, and his name was Eleazar. And in, and in 2 Samuel 23, we read about it. Verse 9. It says, next to him was Eleazar, son of Dudai, uh, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines and gathered for battle. Pass Damim. Then the Israelites retreated. 
But Eliezer stood his ground and stuck, struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. That's crazy. Have you ever pushed yourself to the point where you were froze to it? And it says that the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And as I thought about Eleazar, I was reminded of Jesus. Because Jesus decided to take on the army of the sin of the world. And as he stood there, and this is like the questions that like are so challenging, is that as he took a beating, that he saw and was created with human eyes. And so a lot of the things that we go, like Jesus knew everything because the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. He was human, but he had the Spirit of God in him, which was his counselor, which spoke to him and told him these things. And so with his human eyes, as he experienced a beating and as he prayed in the garden, Lord, if it's possible, if you'd let this cup pass me by, but if it's your will, I will do it. Jesus took the cross. And when I think about how he was, like Eleazar was frozen to the sword, Jesus clung himself to that cross. And although he could have fallen and died in, a, in an entryway somewhere in Jerusalem, he clung to it and he knew that the space that he was to go, that he would have the strength that he'd be able to get to because he knew that God was with him. And so he gripped himself to the cross and he carried the cross. And even though he was tired, there was nothing that was going to stop him from saving you, from providing a victory for you in your life. There was no mirrors of mistakes, no, no mirrors of what you're missing that he was going to let stop you from walking in the purpose that he had for you. And Jesus chose to take that cross so that you would receive freedom. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You want to see what faith looks like? This is what, what Hebrews says. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. Faith without deeds is dead. And although sometimes I feel like there's nothing there, I feel like the challenge of today is to go, keep going, keep pushing through knowing that he who started it is gonna complete it. He's called you to walk in the opposite spirit. 
He's called you to praise him even though you don't feel like it. We sang a song today, I'm going to see a victory. And as we close to this, ser- this service today, I want to end in worship. I want to end up saying, I'm going to see a victory in my life, over my marriages, over the sickness that's, that's happening in my household, over my depression, over my addiction, over the things that have held me hostage. This army doesn't get to hold me anymore because I'm going to cling to Jesus. I'm going to allow him to provide victory. Because Elijah got it, and Moses got it, and because they're human, I'm going to get it too. I want to invite you to stand in this place just now as we close. We've got some time. I didn't plan on being long. Because the reality is that there are things that we so easily come with and walk away with from church. And I don't want to do that. I want you to know that if you've never walked in relationship with Jesus, that Jesus is calling and maybe he's talking to you right now and maybe you didn't even know, but you got that feeling in your gut and you're going, man, that's Jesus. I just want to tell you, that is Jesus. He's going, if you would just trust me, if you just walk in faith, I know you're in a new place. I know you're in a new city. I know you moved, but I just want you to know I've got you. I'm gonna surround you with those that you need. I know that there's some stuff under the surface that no one else knows about. But if you would just talk to me, if you would just begin to pray. I know you got some family members. And I get it. I understand and I relate with you, with those who have family members that struggle with Jesus. I pray every day. And, and I don't care if they know, they watch me all the time. That I pray for them every day that Jesus would enter their lives in such a way that they could no longer live the same way again. And maybe that's you. Maybe that act of faith is going, I want to see my cousin. I want to see my sister. I want to see my brother walking in a relationship with Christ. Because James wasn't wrong when he talked about Elijah. Because he says, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back. This is the last words that he says. After he said he prayed and the, re- the hain- wow, rains came from heaven. He said, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns someone from their error, from their ways, from their brokenness, from their sin, will save them from death. Man, I care about my my family being spared from eternal death. I care about every person in this house walking in the freedom that comes through knowing Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, I wanna walk you through a prayer before we worship because It comes out of a relationship with Jesus that we find victory. No other way. Not just because we sing a song on a screen, 
Not just because we have even just a faith in Jesus. It's that we begin to follow him today. And if that's you in this house and you wanna declare maybe again that Jesus is my answer and I'm gonna follow him no matter what I see, I wanna pray that today before we worship. So why don't you pray these words with me? Jesus, I believe you died. You clung yourself to a cross so that I might receive forgiveness, life to the fullest. And I choose today to follow you, Jesus, to hear from you, to trust in your words, despite what I see, to walk in the purposes you have for me. I receive your presence in my life today. I'm gonna see a victory following you. Everybody say that. I'm gonna see a victory as I follow you.